Welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, presented by Roast House Pub and Idiom Brewing Company in Frederick, Maryland, as well as Havoc Brew Supply, the one-stop shop for all of your brewery's needs. Check them out at hophavoc.com. Hey everyone, I'm your host Chris Sands, and today I am joined by Ryan Sees from Warwick Farm Brewing. Thanks for joining me, Ryan. Yeah, dude, thanks for having me. No problem. It was a little, little bit of work in the making, but we finally made it happen. <laughs> yeah, finally. <laughs> um, so let's start out with just a little bit of your background. Um, what were you doing before Warwick? How did you get into craft beer? Uh, those, those sorts of things. Yeah, so prior to Warwick, um, I worked at Key- a homebrew shop called Keystone Homebrew. It's one of the bigger ones in Pennsylvania. And prior to that, I, I played baseball my entire life. So I was playing professionally with the angels. Um, and as soon as I got done with it, uh, my wife, no joke, I get released and, you know, dreams over dreams dead. And my wife looks at me, she's like, Hey, so what do you want to do with your life? <laughs> I was like, how, uh, I, like, what, like, that? was that like immediately after you were released or was that like Dude. within days? Dude, no, this is right after my release. We're in the car going to Buffalo Wild Wings. That and my is wife's cold. Like, <laughs> Dude, I, well, she, she knew I was done with it. So, um, But I just told her, I was like, I want to open up a brewery. And she thought I was crazy. So we um, we came home. So uh, wait, r- real we, quick, though, because you're kind of just glossing over playing uh, Major League Baseball. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't think I knew that somehow. Um, what, what, uh, what position did you play? Uh, so I got, so I went to university of Louisville as a catcher and then, uh, they, I, I played mostly infield my entire life. So I played third, played two years at Louisville. I transferred out to Liberty university. I played there for one year and I played second base and then, uh, the angels drafted me and they were like, yeah, you're like. 6'3", 250 pounds, you're not playing second base. You're getting your, your fat ass over to first base. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I played two years in the minors. I, I was in Utah, Arizona, California, um, Iowa. I was all over the place. And it was it was a lot of fun, you know, made a lot of connections. Uh, because of baseball, I've been able to travel the, you know, travel the United States. I, I've seen 47 out of the 50 states just because of baseball, which is pretty cool. Um and uh, yeah, I was I was done with it, and I was twenty three at the time, and that's when I start really getting into brewing. Then it's a really hard life when you're like in the playing in the minor leagues, right? At least it, yeah, it it's seems pretty much like it. It was it's a really hard life. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, you're thinking every morning you're up at six, and then you don't get home till ten thirty, uh, and this is every day, and then you have to you know, hop on a bus and drive five or six hours away after your your game gets done, try and get some shut eye for a couple hours and then you're right back at it. So and and you know, I'm away from my wife. Uh you know, so that was tough. Um but yeah, I mean it's it's a grind, man. There's no doubt about it. It's not the sport isn't physically tolling. It's it's the 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 process of getting ready for every game. You know, I'm I'm showing up at the field at six thirty lifting weights for an hour and then everything after that is just practice until the game at seven and you're not making tons of money yet um no and 
No, you get you get all your money with the signing bonus. Um, and and what a lot of teams do now, which is really nice, is they they sign you for a signing bonus, and then they cover the rest of your school, which is which is huge. Um, so most most players got that done. But yeah, you you get your signing bonus, and then your weekly pay is like three hundred bucks a week or something. It's yeah. like nothing. And I like I always wondered how like the players that bounce back and forth between the minor like getting called up to the majors and then sent back down to the minors like how they ever I, I guess they just don't want to give up on the dream of being a major league baseball player and just suffer through dude it's it's a lot my my biggest fear was being a 28 to 30 year old that's still in the minor leagues and you know sniffing the big leagues every here and then but um, I've, cause I've, I've seen it. I've seen so many players that just hang on to it. And I mean, it makes sense. Like I didn't know how to do anything else in my life besides baseball. So, you know, when you're done at 23, it is kind of scary, yeah. but, uh, it was, it was exciting, but, um, I've seen a lot of, a lot of players that I, that I played with are still in the minor leagues at 28 or 30 years old. And it's tough, man. It's a tough life. Well, at least you had your wife there with you to ask you immediately what you were going to do with your life. <laughs> yeah, she did not. She did not hold back. <laughs> I, she was probably excited, in a way. Oh, she I'm, was like, so I'm sure she it. felt bad that like it, there it was an end of a you know like an era for you, but probably excited to think that uh, life was going to be better. <laughs> yeah, she was. She was definitely ready for for us to move on. Um, excuse me, but so um, we get so we get done. We, my wife and I were in Iowa. We drive home the next, the next morning. Cause we're just, we hated Iowa. We're like, we're getting out of here. So we came home. I, my buddies met me. So we all went out drinking one night and then my wife and I sat down we're like, all right, what are we going to do with our life? So we drank mojitos from like 10 in the morning until like 10 at night, like just researching what we wanted to do. And I settled on brewing. She settled on occupational therapist and that's both of our professions now, which is pretty cool. That's good. So she got a real job. She got a real job. (laughs) (laughs) So I was, I was very proud of her. She, she went back to school for it. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a grind there, man. So where, where did that, um, desire to open a brewery come from that, from that moment? Were you home brewing or was it just that the, during that time frame is when like everyone wanted to open a brewery. So it, I think that was definitely part of it that everybody was opening breweries then. And I think what really interested me in brewing was the camaraderie and being able to sit down with a beer and talk about beer and get away from politics, get away from everyday life. And you can agree on something, which I think is it's beer is a social drink, you know, Um, and I really like the aspect of that. And then after games and stuff, when we would go out like, I mean, we're, we're going out every night, not like going out for dinner, beer. Um, I would always get like the local craft beer. And I think that's kind of where it sparked my interest. So how, um, what, what was the path to you making that decision to then, um, realizing your dream? Um, it was, I mean, it was right, it was right away. I, I, I wanted to open a brewery. I just needed to, you know, figure out how we're going to do it. And I worked at Keystone Homebrew for maybe three years, and I was homebrewing quite a bit. My dad really got into it with me. He converted his basement um, into a brewery. It looks like, I'll have to send you some pictures. It looks like 
Breaking Bad style. <laughs> um, beautiful 15-gallon Blickman system. Uh, but I was brewing maybe three times a week, a lot, just trying to dial in recipes. And what, what I would do is uh, take out two-month periods, focus on one style, and then see if I can figure out, you know, like with that 15-gallon batch, I'd break it into three separate ones, dry hop them differently, add different yeast, and see what I liked. And then, dude, honestly, I was dumping like half of it. If I didn't like one, <laughs> it was going down the drain. So, um, But then to, to open up Warwick, we... Um, I've been lifelong, our, our family's been lifelong friends with uh, the Tabor family. Uh, so it's my family's the seaside. There's the Tabor family. And uh, Timmy had his 30th birthday party and I brought a bunch of homebrew. And Timmy's very outgoing, extremely good with people. And he was like, hey, man, I can, uh, I'm really good at sales and throwing parties and you can make some beer. Let's, <laughs> let's drag our parents into this. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've, we, uh, we, we found the property in 2000. I always, it's like 2018, I believe, uh, the Tabor family. So the, the property is owned by the Tabor family. And then the business is, uh, 50, 50 cease and Tabor family. But we found this beautiful slice of land in 2018, purchased it. And then we went through about two years of land development. It was, it was, um, it was a lot, man. And, uh, then we, then we opened up in November before COVID perfect timing, <laughs> and, uh, Right. Yeah. We didn't have a tasting room though. So like all we knew was takeout and we did a ton of takeout more than we could have ever imagined. And then we brought on some key team members onto our team. Uh, Jason Trauger, who's our head of production now, he was trying to open up his own brewery and he's an extremely talented brewer. And uh, he came on and he's part of our Warwick family now. And then we found our canning operator, Matt Henze, and he's been killing it ever since. And uh, our tasting room opened last February and it's just been just figuring everything out. It's, it's been quite the ride. We, we love it. We're, I, I don't know how, um, it was in Pennsylvania, but at least in Maryland, uh, farm breweries kind of had the upper hand because you could, you, you could still do and pretty close to anything outdoors. Um, were you able to have people there, um, on the farm drinking outside or did it have to all be to go? Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs, delicious fruited sours, and robust porters and stouts, Idiom has a simple goal in mind, to bring people from all walks of life together, to enjoy themselves and each other. Whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy IPAs, or one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy, sour, or complex flavors, or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites, they'll have a little something for you. Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations, located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, mom's spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday. So originally, we chose to start all to go. Okay. So, um, And then once it lightened up, I think it was like 
it really lightened up in September. And what we did is we, we have 22 acres here. So we drew these squares cause you know, you had to do the six feet rule. Yeah. <laughs> so you could rent squares with your family members and we would, um, take beer out to you so okay. that when we didn't have a tasting room, um, so I think we had like 20 squares. We were looking at pictures of it yesterday and just believe, couldn't believe how far we came. And you've been to our property. We used to do it down in the uh, where the hops are. Um, yeah, and that's how we started. And then like the year before the tasting room opened, we were um, serving off of our – in our brewery, we have a door that has four taps on it. And we were just pouring beers. And we had the, you had to cap them. So like in Pennsylvania. Oh yeah. They had to be, it had to be sealed. Yeah. So every single beer we poured, we had to put a lid on it. Cause that's considered to go. <laughs> it's so, it's the dumbest thing. <laughs> well, it's kind of, um, the, I, it's almost like the, um, the, to go, the, the drive through, uh, daiquiris in Louisiana where the, yeah. as long as the straw has, uh, the paper on it, you're, you're safe. <laughs> that's we have that in pennsylvania too it's 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 pretty crazy like you just go to the beer distributor there's these smoothie machines and you get a plastic cup with a lid on it it's so, it's so odd uh there i there's so many times where you wonder like why why even have that law when it's so easily just to work around it <laughs> i know it was it, it was very challenging we were obviously very frustrated but um, honestly, it really helped us out. I can't imagine having a tasting room and having to shut that down, you know, tell employees, you, you know, they can't come to work, for, you know, for God, six to eight months, yeah. like a year. Like that's, that's tough. So we, we just did, we'd had a drive through and we, we, uh, did pre-orders and everything and just kept people moving, you know, just throwing cases off, off the loading dock. So when you had opened in November, was your plan then just to do like to go sales and to distribute or were, were you um, were, just was, at our location? Okay. Oh yeah. So, you, it, so the, you don't send the beer out to anywhere? To, no, no. So we only okay. sell beer at our location um, still. And uh, our, our plan was to get some cans out the door as the tasting room was being built okay. and the tasting room took, a year extra because you know you know tape you know red tape and all this all the you know regulations and stuff and then covid too so it took a lot longer and luckily we got a good footing under our you know under us with a lot of a lot of different beers and we figured it it was really nice we had a year of figuring out what we wanted to do with the with our beer program yeah well thank god that you your business plan um involved having a canning line from the very beginning and selling cans or mm -hmm. you, that would have been a huge pivot even more so. Yeah, dude, we were, so we originally started off with crowlers only. And so we were doing first weekend, I think we did 400 crowlers and then eventually got up to like 1200 crowlers a oh, week. Geez. And we're like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> we're like no longer okay, sustainable. Is, <laughs> yes, we are crowling for 25 hours a week so we brought in a mobile canner and that was huge and then when we uh after a full year we you know got enough capital and made the decision to get our own canning line which has been one of the best decisions we've made yeah i mean not even just from the um the financial aspects 
of having it yourself, but like the scheduling flexibility and just the, the it makes everything easier. <laughs> yeah, I think we calculated that our production went up 30% just from being able to can when we when we need to and and it's funny we're you know we had a we had something happen with a tank where one of our IPAs is way too green right now and we have to wait you know maybe an extra two days with a with a mobile canner you don't have that flexibility yeah you're putting out green beer <laughs> and, yeah. and, and it's gonna <laughs> yeah. it's gonna finish in the can <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so are, when you um when you opened were you the head brewer or th- did you hire someone um yeah so we when we opened, I was the only brewer on okay. staff. Um, and then we brought Jason on and he has, you know, he's worked his way up to head of production. Now he does ordering. I'm brewmaster. So I still brew a bit, not nearly as much as I used to, um, but I'm, I'm getting up on the stand a lot more now. Um, and then we have another guy named Matt who uh, we have two Matts, Matt Anderson. He is a full-time brewer now too. So we have you know, three or four people that brew and then Matt, uh, or Henzi is his last name. He's our packager. And then he's also quality control. So he checks cans and stuff and make sure that the, the product going out is good. Are you doing all, all of the recipe development or do some of the other brewers participate in that also? Yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely the majority of it. And, uh, Jay has input, you know, um, if we want to try a different hop out, you know, we, we fit, we we try it out, but um, majority of it is me, and then Jay does help me out a bunch with recipe development as well. So, what do you consider the Warwick Farm uh, specialty? What what is your? Uh, are there any styles or what you really focus on? Yeah, so we are other than the amazing pilsners that you make. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, or the shandies, you know. Um, <laughs> so it's uh, so we are production wise, we're forty five percent IPA, uh, about thirty percent seasonal, and that includes wit beer, shandies. We we make a ton of shandies, and then the rest is is lager. So like right now, we have nine lagers on draft. So I would um, our number one seller is our wit beer, which is really interesting to see. Um, there can't be so many I'd say breweries we're, we're, that can say that. I wouldn't. Think. Yeah, it's <laughs> no. We we did it once a year, and then we released it again when we opened. And ever since, it just stays on draft, and it's number one at the end of the year. That's crazy, and it's some yeah. I, I I wouldn't even want to try it. Probably, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> guess my taste. It's, it's are such just a flexible then. beer style. You're what? I guess I just have weird taste. Then I'm I'm outside yeah. of the norm. Apparently, uh, yeah, it's. It, it shocked me too, honestly. Um, I need but our to, shandies, yeah, our our shandies do very well here. <laughs> I need to rally behind people and get them bumping the pilsner numbers up because the the two different pilsners I had from you were phenomenal. Oh, and thank you. I appreciate that. I think our check pills is number three on the end of the year, which is awesome. All right, so. I'll accept that, but it's <laughs> it's better. So people should get that more often. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we drink. <laughs> so um, what uh, what size brew house and what size fermenters do you have? So we have like, it's like an eight and a half. It's like a, it's like an oversized seven and a half. It's, we, can, we can get eight barrels into the, into the tanks, but we have, 
uh, 12 15 barrel tanks, six, seven and a half barrels, and then two 30 barrel tanks now. I'm guessing the 30 barrels have wood beer in them a lot. A lot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that and uh, sh- Shandy and our Citrus Sensation, which is our, I don't even, you can't use the word flagship. I mean, I guess you can say flagship, but it's yeah. the hazy that we're known for here. Core, your core hazy. Core, there we go. <laughs> um, And a, a cool little interesting history of the brewery is that it was a, well, it was it was a butcher, right? Or was it a meat processing facility? It was meat processing, yeah. So the, the they would bring the bring the meat in, uh, you know, dice them up in here, and then <laughs> uh, hang them in our cold room. And I mean, dude, when we got in here, it looked pretty savage. It was it was <laughs> every bit of a meat processing plant. Uh, but you know, if it wasn't if it wasn't gonna be meat processing, it was gonna be a brewery. It was perfect, dude. Like huge cold room, floor drains, sanitary walls. It was, it was made to be a brewery. And the, they, they still have the, the track system for where the, the animals were hung from the hooks and moved throughout the building. Yeah. We still have the, yeah, the, the, uh, the rack up and they're in the, they're in a very inconvenient spot. Uh, yeah, I remember, near our, I remember that discussion that it was, it was only uh, briefly a good idea to keep it. <laughs> yeah. So we avoid dry hopping in those tanks at all costs. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so how, um, uh, how many barrels are you putting out a year? Uh, we'll be at 3000 this year. So, um, that's a lot. Yeah, it's quite a bit. We're brewing a lot. <laughs> we're was, running that. We're running that seven and a half barrel into the ground. I uh, was expecting you to and, say like two thousand and to be like, "Well, that's a lot of beer." Not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're we're very fortunate. Um, we, um, it's been great, and everything's here, so we don't we don't distro at all. So it's all, you know, from the source here, which is awesome. We don't have to, you know, we don't we never want to get into distribution. So that's our current plan. It seems like, especially now, such a double-edged sword that the like places that have that need the distribution, like it's just so cutthroat and fighting tooth and nail right now to uh, to make it in distribution. That I applaud your <laughs> your decision to try to stay out of that. Great beer starts with great ingredients at Havoc Brewing Supply. They offer a wide selection of premium hops, fruit purees, malt, cleaning supplies, and more. Their family-owned business is dedicated to helping you create the perfect beer. Havoc offers flexible contracts, lightning-fast shipping, and unrivaled customer service. Join the Havoc Brewing Supply family and elevate your brewing game. Shop small, brew big, grow together. Visit HavocBrewingSupply.com today to learn more. McClintock Distilling is Maryland's first and only certified organic distillery, handcrafting gins, whiskeys, vodkas, and cordials from non-GMO organic ingredients in downtown Frederick. Named the best vodka distillery in the country by USA Today, best gin in the world at the International Spirits Competition, and double gold at the World Spirits Competition for bourbon, rye, and gin. Open now for tours, tastings, and classes. Come sample the most awarded distillery in Frederick today. Yeah, man. I mean, you, I mean, we we see it. It's 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 really tough. You go to the beer distributor, and there's so many options, and not just 
just options. There's so many good options. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you're starting to see like, uh, like vitamin C, you're starting to see, uh, you know, Trillium now other half, you know, like you're starting to see these, these big brands or these, you know, very popular brands in distributors now. Like how, how does a, you know, somebody that, you know, it's it's just tough to compete with, you know, with, you know, when, when that's available compared to, you know, something else. I mean, you might have a great label and everything, but it's, it's really tough. So. Yeah. I mean, here in, in, well, actually through, I mean, everywhere throughout Maryland, but in Frederick, I mean, there are gas stations where you can go and pick up the, the, what used to be like what people go stand in line for hours to get. I know it's, it's, it's wild. And you're starting, I mean, I don't know if new trails down at your spot uh, yeah. in Maryland. But. Yeah. They, uh, within the past year, I think they started distributing throughout Maryland. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they, they've picked up a lot of ground and I mean, but you can, you can go to a sheets or a Wawa or a gas station and get broken heels, which is a good hazy IPA for like, I don't know, two ninety five for a 19.2, like, and it's like Modelo is more expensive than that. Yeah. Like it's crazy to. <laughs> yeah, new new trail is doing amazing things. They they've figured out how to make phenomenal beer and be able to sell it ridiculously cheap. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I mean they're they're getting bigger and bigger, and uh, you know it's they're above that. I think once you get into distro, I think like the when once you're over like thirty or forty thousand barrels, you're in the clear. Um, but I mean, we've seen breweries, you know, not succeed there, but it seems like that's the number, you know, if you can get to that number, you're, you're in a pretty good spot. You have, you have a good hold of, hold of the market. I feel like it's probably better to sell 3000 through your tap room though. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) You might be in a more envious position. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, and just we're, we're really, really good friends with, uh, Trogues, um, and, you know, hearing everything that they have to go through. I mean, they're doing 120,000 barrels and hearing all the hoops that they have to go through and everything that big beer is trying to do due to craft beer. It's, uh, it's pretty eye opening when you, you know, see everything that goes into a big company like that, that distros at that scale. Yeah, there, you're much more competing with big beer at that scale than you are like you mm-hmm. most likely you're you're not competing for the same customers that anheuser-busch is <laughs> no yeah and he he told me an interesting stat with distro that um, it's i think the majority of uh people that buy beer only buy beer twice a year it's uh thanksgiving and christmas so um which is a, a mind-blowing stat yeah. um everybody f- floods the market you know goes goes get beer for you know their home for thanksgiving home for christmas it's um so you know a lot of it is getting a beer out around that air you know that time that people come back annually and purchase you know four four packs a year and they and they keep doing that so that's interesting i had no idea i'm gonna Mm -hmm. i would have thought like summertime would have been a larger time but yeah no i was yeah i was mind blown too um Though I, Nugget Nectar's got to give them a huge bump. Although that, I mean that's yeah, no, everywhere now because I I used to drive up to 
Trogues every year whenever Nugget Nectar was released to go buy a case of it because for the for a while they weren't distributed in, in Maryland. Yeah, that's their uh, their Mad Elf is there. That's the that's what gets them all their cash there. From what I've been told, um, and yeah, their their Doppelbox still man is like number two, which is crazy that a Doppelbox <laughs> in there in in the market is still one of their best sellers. Well, I mean, if you look at like how long it took them to make an IPA. Like they, I can't remember how many years they had been around before they released Perpetual. <laughs> I know, yeah, it's, yeah, they've, it's, they, they do a great job. They're, they're, and and with them, you know, you always know what you're going to get. I like those brands that you know what you're going to get, like Allagash, very reputable brand, uh, Sierra Nevada. That you know, those are the worlds. You know, in the distro game, whenever I go to the dis- distributor, I usually just get them. So how many um, how many people can you fit? Well, I mean, I guess like outdoors is probably close to infinite, right? <laughs> or yeah, we um, our last festival we threw, we kind of broke the town a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, we think we had maybe thirty five hundred people here at, at one time, um, which is never. I honestly, I hope it never it gets to that again. It was crazy, but our tasting room, I. I think fire code is a hundred and then the, the deck can maybe fit another 80 outdoors. It's, it's more how many cars we can park. Okay. So what all is, uh, grown on the farm? Like I know there are, there's hops in that one area. Is there anything else you're growing for beer production or is it mainly hops? Uh, so it's just hops for now. And we did have plans to put a fruit orchard in, but that got scratched. Um, we needed more parking. So that's what that lot is used for. Okay. We're hoping, you know, to continue that eventually. Uh, but it's going to be at least a couple years before we revisit that. What, um, what styles of hops are you growing? Um, Cascade, Centennial, Chinook, and Comet. Do they grow well there or is it a struggle to get any kind of usable product and yield? This year was tough, but last year, our, so Centennial or not Centennial never grows well here for some reason. Uh, but Comet, Comet and Chinook go crazy here, and then Cascade is just like it's just always a, you know a strong one. But uh, this year they got hit with a lot of beetles and um a, a ton of beetles, and the weeds were like horrible this year. So. Um, you know, we did our best to get rid of them, but last year our yield was much higher, but I'd like the hop flavor this year a lot more than last year. So yeah, in, in Maryland, it's a real struggle to get anything to grow at least on, like at a profitable way because of how much, how labor intensive it is to, uh, mm-hmm. to get anything useful here. Yeah. And then if you're not pelletizing it, you know, it's not as, uh, you know, a lot of brewers, shy away from whole leaf yeah what is that just from like a sanitary like yield or yield issue or is it what's the main reason for that uh yield they definitely soak up more and then also utilization i think that there it's like five to ten percent less utilization and you lose more just because they soak up so much but um pellets man they they change the game uh, you know, we, we use them here and there, but every time that we use them, we, we always say we're never going to use them again, <laughs> <So> <laughs> the, but it is fun to use them every, every here and there. 
So what's your personal favorite style of beer? Smoothie uh, sours, right? beer. What's that? Smoothie sours, Smoothie sours. right? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Do see the thing is I mean we we at Lost Tavern you brought you brought some of yours which are nice. I like I do like fruited beers but I like them balanced. I can't do the the heavy heavy stuff but uh my favorite beer is wit beer. Um it it, I, I just love it. I think it's you can drink it all year so round. So that's why it's your number one seller. You just push it on everyone. Oh yeah, <laughs> every other post is a wit beer. Wit beer. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, we like lager too, and, and uh, I'm really interested in uh, Doppelbach. I love Doppelbach too. <clears throat> I'm not a big Doppelbach drinker. I think it's because there's so many places that make them poorly. Yeah, it's they're not an easy beer to to brew, and I I don't like the caramel, like you know that like raisin flavor. Yeah, that like, I mean that's mainly what my my issue with it is. Yeah, the the doppelbox I like are toasty, like bread crust, and then the booze is hidden a bit. That's that's what I like. So, what is the best way for people to stay up to date? with what's going on at Warwick Farms. Uh Instagram and Facebook, those are our two two ways to find us. Uh Instagram we're definitely more active on and Facebook just as, you know, not as active, but Instagram we do a lot of stories and stuff and then we are going to have a new website here hopefully by uh, you know, middle of next year. Uh it's warwickfarmbrewing.com, but any of those are, are good ways to reach us. Do you have anything coming up that you're excited about? Do we we do uh, we have a port barrel uh, with a tawny port that we put um, imperial stout in, and then we left it in our garage so the heat, you know, the the contracting, expanding of of the barrels, you know, sped the process up of aging it. And uh, excuse me, it uh, it tastes unbelievable, just like those like caramel like cherry notes to it. I'm really excited about that, and it's a it's like a 120 gallon barrel. It's huge. It's like massive. <laughs> so, um, and then we, we we're starting to we're going to bottle all of our uh, barrel aged stuff here probably next week or the week after. But uh, we uh, we actually just got some Idaho Seven from the original farm that grew it. I hate that hop. Um, so that's pretty cool. That's my least favorite um, hop. Really? Yeah. Although, what's I, it, what's what, what do you? I think it was just early on beers I tried with it. Maybe the beer just wasn't great. Or like if it's the the focus hop, I typically don't like the beer. If it's just part of like a blend that's being used, um, it usually doesn't bother me. And I don't remember what the flavor profile is about it that I don't like. We get like pineapple. See, I love I pineapple. Like, it's my favorite fruit. Yeah. So I definitely that's, don't that's get ours, pineapple from it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like brew one pineapple. It's like, it's like, it's not candy pie. It's, it's a really unique pineapple. I, and I get like tangerine from it too. Are you, um, are you taking anything special to hops for hope? Um, well, we're, we are doing a collaboration with lost tavern. Cool. Um, so we're actually canning that next week. That uses Nectaron, which is a really interesting hop. Um, and I think I'm going to give Kenny a couple bottles. 
So of our uh, our Doppelbach that was aged in bourbon barrels. So give them some special stuff. You know, they're they're great. <laughs> they are. Great. <laughs> they're the best. Kenny's awesome. I mean, all of them are, but Kenny's just so um, ridiculously goofy and fun. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't care either. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. Good he, dude. He uh, He's not afraid of making a fool out of himself to entertain people. <laughs> no. No, he is not. <laughs> yeah, we got to we selected hops today too. That was cool. Um we went out to hop selection last year um uh with with Trogner and that was very humbling and eye-opening, but this year we're going to do it every by, you know, biannually. Uh but this year we cuz cuz of the relationships we made last year, they actually sent us some samples and we gave them, you know, in our centennial, we like lemon zest, so they sent us a couple samples which they thought was lemon zest, then we got to choose uh which one we wanted for the year. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I love the what it's been probably about like 2 years now maybe where Trogues has like made an effort to like collaborate and work with tons of um much much smaller craft breweries Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's really cool to see him start doing that uh he's i mean he's collab we're collabing with three well which is in percocy i don't know if you've heard of them they're they're one of our good friends but yeah he's he's collabing with everybody man he did like dewey beer um he's done like Kushwa, I think yeah. he's he's really branching out, um, which is good to see because he's just been so pedal to the metal with, you know, distro game, and I think now he's he's seeing the the tide change a bit, and he's trying to figure out what you know what the younger brewers and the breweries that are a little smaller are doing, and trying to kind of replicate it a bit too. And that that brewery is just such an amazing place too. Yeah, it's it's by far my favorite brewery. <laughs> I'm a little biased because we love him. We we call him Papa John. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, he's he's done a lot for this industry. Yeah, they were definitely one of my favorite interviews I've done. One because did you interview John or Chris? Both of them. That, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Um, and yeah, their story's crazy, man. Like it's, it, I mean, they've been doing it since '95 or something. Were you ever at the original brewery? No, see, no, I, I've only known them since the new brewery. It, um, it was very, very different. <laughs> <laughs> was it, was it a, how, was it just a lot small? I'm guessing it was a lot smaller. That, like tiny, um, like your average, like nano bootstrapped kind of brewery. Yeah. It's, I mean, that they opened up right, you know, there was like that little, Little boom there with them, like Iron Hill, Weyerbacher, all those guys. Yeah. They opened up at one time. So, is there anything about your story that I haven't covered that you want to make sure that people know? Um, no, I mean it's it's just cool that we're we're family owned and operated. Um, you know, we have a great staff here. It's it's a very friendly environment. Um, we you know, we make, we try and make beer for everybody or not, you know, we, we make hazies, lagers, and then seasonals. Uh, you know, we try and make something for, for everybody, but, uh, you know, come on out. It's, it's a lot of fun here and, um, you know, we're excited to see what the future holds for us. Do you have time to answer some intentionally stupid questions? Of course, dude. Of course. (laughs) Who would win in a battle between a ninja and a pirate? 
a, pi- a pirate would, but because he's got wep- like firearms, yes, that's that boy, why. I mean, that's the correct answer. An unbelievable <laughs> amount of people answer that wrong and say ninja and foolishly think like just dumb reasons of why it would be a ninja. Um, I think but, a ninja's more skilled, but a, a pirate has a gun. Yeah, and cannons and... <laughs> he's got a lot of stuff swords not like yeah all kinds of stuff at his disposal so you are correct congratulations you're one for one uh does pizza belong on uh i mean does pineapple belong on pizza Mm. i i think i'm gonna say yes i think that there's many toppings that i don't like on pizza pineapple is one of them but so good it does not belong on pizza Oh man. <laughs> is Nickelback a good band? I don't like them. I'm going to say yeah. I'm going to say yes because they're so successful, man. They like they made a lot of money. They did. They did. <laughs> what is the dumbest injury you've ever had? Dumbest. Um I was shagging fly balls in the outfield and I was messing around and I jumped for it when I didn't need to. And I sprained my ankle and I was out for eight weeks. Was that when you were playing professionally or? Yes. They yes, had the organization was pissed off at you, huh? <laughs> yes. The organization was very upset with me. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like the kind of thing that would piss off uh, s- several people. <laughs> yeah. I missed playoffs because of it. So they were very upset. <laughs> Uh, if you had a pet parrot, what would you teach it to say? Mm, probably something terrible to my wife, you know, just to mess with her. <laughs> <laughs> Not terrible, just you know, just enough, you know, just enough to piss yeah. her off a little bit, you know. That that is the sign of a true successful marriage, right there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. What is the worst fashion decision you have ever made? Mm. I used to in college I used to go out with athletic shorts and a polo that's a weird combination it's a, yeah I don't know if it's a power move or if it's no if it's, it's not uh, it's definitely not don't, don't try to make <laughs> dang it I was hoping you'd say don't yeah. try to make yourself feel better about that decision <laughs> yeah that was that was my style huh. there wasn't anyone around to tell you to not do that oh there was oh, okay. oh yeah there was <laughs> It was more like once they said I shouldn't do it, I did it, and okay. it was a thing then. So, what is the strangest food you've ever eaten? Um, hmm, I haven't really tried too many strangest foods, but I, I guess I think I had. Uh, man, I don't know. I haven't tried any weird, weird shit. Maybe caviar. Like, yeah, not nothing crazy. I've not had anything outlandish either. What is the most used emoji on your phone? Um, the cheers. Cheers emoji. Or the or the uh, you know, the I don't know what you call this. The, uh, the surfer. Yeah, wave. I've heard that referred to as a whole bunch of different things. That is a very popular answer amongst the brewing crowd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um if you could be the best in the world at something, what would that be? Baseball player, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be pretty cool. Foot, no, football, football, football quarterback would be. 
I don't know. Isn't ba- like the the highest tier of baseball players? Don't they usually make more than football players do? Yeah, Otani's going to get like six hundred million, I think. Yeah, and you're so. you know, like you have a much longer uh, career potential. I'll say baseball. Yeah, stick with baseball. Good answer. I'll say baseball, and it's all guaranteed money. Well, yeah, I mean Bobby Bonilla day, <laughs> dude. That's crazy. <laughs> genius uh agent <laughs> yep what's your go-to breakfast cereal and why mm, um i'm gonna go like the reese's they're just but not too many because the top of your mouth gets all scratched up so it's just like an yeah it has and you that can, you can snack crunch on. uh effect yeah you can snack on them you can put milk in them they're just very flexible <laughs> <laughs> that's the funniest way i've ever heard cereal described <laughs> <laughs> yeah like you don't just sit down and eat like honey nut cheerios you yeah. know <laughs> or like captain i guess captain crunch you can but like reese's you can throw them in a cup and you just kind of munch on them all day you know not that i've ever done that yeah of course not you're an adult <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> what's your go-to excuse to get out of something um my kid. I, that's so I one of the that, best things about having a kid. Is there a built-in excuse for anything? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, my kid's not feeling well today. Oh, he got to go home then. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't work on my wife so much, but you know. Well, you can use the brewery for for. Her. Yeah, I got to go drop brewery. a tank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got to go dry hop. You know. <laughs> what is the one thing you can't live without? Mm. Uh, Chick-fil-A sauce. Huh. I put it on everything. Everything. Like, do they sell that in bulk or do you just go steal a bunch of packets? <laughs> no, they they sell it in bulk. Believe me, I've okay. done my homework. <laughs> and I put a little bit of I put a little bit of hot sauce in there too. How, and yeah, it goes on uh, everything. That, I'm not talking to an amateur here. <laughs> no, yeah, there's a plan. There's a plan. <laughs> All right, let's do one more. If you were a new member of the Spice Girls, what would your name be? Well, there's a ginger, isn't there? Yeah, but you're a new member, so there's already new member. Okay, there's already one soulless person, so you can't take that slot. <laughs> I'm gonna go like cayenne. I guess I'll be like cayenne pepper. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm a little. You know, I got red hair. I, you know, I can I can you know get upset sometimes. I'll say cayenne. That works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Ryan, thank you so much for your time. Um, glad we were able to finally make this happen, and I guess I'll see you in about a week, right? Will you be at the festival? Uh, I have Oktoberfest. Oh, that's right. They, they did. They, mo- like, they moved the festival this year to not conflict with something else, and then it, it like conflicts with all kinds of other stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's like September is just like September until November is just yeah, festival like season. Like good luck finding a free weekend. Yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to try to get there, like, like go there first, you know, at like 10 or something okay. and then come here. But we'll see. We'll see. It's a long day. So, yeah, I would. My laziness would have me not do that. But <laughs> <laughs> although I'm also stupid yeah. and I'm driving up in the morning and then driving home in the evening. So I maybe well, I would be dumb enough to do that. <laughs> oh, man. Good luck, man. That's that's a it's, it's a long day yeah, of drinking beer. I do, well, I mean, I won't be drinking. So. 
Um, I did that last year too because I'm a glutton for punishment. Uh, <laughs> and uh, thank you everyone for listening. Cheers. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.